If you could have it all, what would that all look like? But you probably shouldn't tell me because I may not want to hear what you want. Oh, okay, maybe, you know, some of those things that we might want aren't things that really God wants us to have. You know, the Bible talks about how our sin nature desires things that are contrary to his spirit. So don't tell me that. But on the other hand, maybe there are some things that you would like to have that are okay, that are not sinful. If we could have it all, what would that be? All, everything. Well, God even warns against wanting to have it all because maybe that all would take our mind off those things that are important. But what if I were to tell you that God says you can have it all? Really? Well, what would it look like? I mean, Jesus himself came and said, I have come to give them life that they may have it to the full, to have it all. What is it that God wants me to have that it would be full, that it would be abundant? Well, let's start with this passage this morning where Paul tells us that it's through the Spirit we are eagerly awaiting by faith the righteousness for which we hope. He's telling us that we can have it all through the Spirit. And so today on this day that we recall the work of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, we want to be encouraged to seek the blessing of the Spirit so that we can get it all. Those words of the Apostle Paul were encouraging. They're kind of key words. He's reminding us that we need to get this all from the Spirit, and this is what we should eagerly desire. Now maybe you're wondering, okay, if that's what God wants me to have, then do I have it now? Or how do I get it? The Apostle Paul, in one of his letters, a letter to Pastor Titus, said this, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. There he is telling us how we get it all, through the Holy Spirit, whom he's poured out on us generously. Now, God doesn't generously bless us with everything. There are certain things that he holds back from us in our life. But this is not one of them. God generously pours out his Holy Spirit on us, willingly, freely, without any restriction, abundantly and with purpose. Now, if you ask me, that's having it all. Because God is giving us himself. Having the Spirit is having it all. But if it's true, then why is it sometimes life feels like this? Kind of empty. Lonely. Maybe filled with some sadness or some worries or fears. Certainly that can't be what God has in mind when he says, I'm going to give you an abundant life. Certainly that can't be what comes when you're given the Holy Spirit. 
So let's take a look at some other scripture passages this morning and see exactly what is it that gives us this all, this full life. The first encouragement we're going to get is that we should let the Spirit live in us. Let Him live in us. We already established that God pours Him out, but maybe there are some things that we do that we don't let Him in. Maybe there's some blocking that we do, some avoiding that we do, so that He doesn't come in. The Apostle Paul talked about it and kind of described it as if there were a war between us and the Spirit. We're just going to read on a few more verses in Galatians 5 and, and see how Paul describes that. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, the sinful nature, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul was describing this, this conflict, this battle, this war that goes on as if it were a battle between myself, my sinful self, and the Spirit. You see, living inside of us, there is still that old nature that sin nature that doesn't want to do what God wants me to do. But right there alongside of it is the Holy Spirit who has now given me a new nature who does want to do what God wants me to do. And so those two natures are in conflict with each other. It's like I'm a battleground. I'm sure you've experienced it too where you have felt the, the enticing, the, the pull, or, or maybe the push of the sinful nature to get you to do those things that God doesn't want you to do. But you've also experienced that enticing, that pulling, that pushing of the Holy Spirit to do what He wants you to do. That's the conflict that lives inside of us. And sometimes we give in to that old nature, and so we're kind of blocking the Holy Spirit. We're not letting him live inside of us. Now the Apostle Paul tells us how we overcome that. He reminds us that that is the work of the Holy Spirit. In his letter to the Philippians, he described it. For it is God who works in you to will, that is to want, and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Because I can't do it on my own, God the Holy Spirit is there to aid me, to help me, to do what it is he wants me to do. It's only with the help of the Holy Spirit that I can win that battle against sin. He's the one who empowers me, who guides me, who strengthens me to do the will of God. That's why Paul's words to us are important. Follow the leading of the Spirit. Well, how does the Spirit lead us? As He comes to us in the Word and in the sacraments. If we take that in, then the Spirit will live in us. Have you ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? And then we look at ourselves and we wonder, what is it I'm eating? <laughs> 
We know that we're supposed to eat healthy, eat the right stuff, not all that junk food, and make sure we have the right balance of vitamins in our lives. Just as those things will affect our physical life, so what we take in spiritually will also affect our spiritual life. And so we want to take in that spirit because it's through his grace that he's going to influence and lead us. That grace that removes our sin. That grace that changes my mind and my heart. That grace that gives me the strength to say no to sin and yes to God. As Paul said, it's through the Spirit that we eagerly desire and await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. That righteousness we hope, that righteousness we need is that righteousness of Jesus. Who though he was tempted, never gave in to sin. Who lived his life perfect and gave it as an offering to God. And so it is, as Paul urges us, live by the Spirit and keep in step with that Spirit. In other words, what he's encouraging us to do is as the Holy Spirit is working in your life, make that your walk, how you live your life. Have you ever been on any kind of a tour where you had to follow a little guide map of where to go? Recently, I was at the uh, Los Angeles Botanical Gardens with our high school students, and we had all these acres that we were supposed to walk through and look at these plants from all over the world. So they gave us this little guide map. Well, the first thing we had to do was figure out, where are you? <laughs> and so you find the little X that said, you are here. And then you had to hope you had the guide sheet pointing in the right direction. And after a while, you kind of figure that out, and then you go, okay, I need to go here, I guess. And then you kind of match things up with what you see and what's on the guide sheet. Yeah, I'm on the right path. And then there were other paths that you could take along that tour, and, and some of them were short, and some of them were kind of long and windy and went through kind of barren spots. But finally, we did accomplish the, the tour, did the whole thing just by following the guide. Our walk in life. We need a guide. We need instruction. And it's there in the scriptures. That's how the Holy Spirit will present his will to us. That's how he shows us Jesus who lived perfectly for us. And that's how he will empower us to live. So keep in step with the Spirit. Are you keeping in step with him? What's going on in your life? Are you walking by the Spirit so that you won't gratify the desires of the flesh? Maybe you identify more with the Apostle Paul and recognize there is this war going on inside me, but I can't understand why. Paul tells us why. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So he's kind of using the picture here of, of planting, of sowing seed in a garden. Well, what kind of seed are you putting in your garden that's maybe creating this war, this conflict? Are you taking the seed of immorality from our world and putting that in your life? 
Are you taking the seed of selfishness and self-centeredness from our society and putting that in your life? And maybe you're starting to reap some of the results of that. Some things that aren't going so well. Some self-centeredness and selfishness and you don't feel like you have enough. Somebody once said, if you don't like what you're harvesting, plant a different seed. Plant the seed of God's grace and love. Plant the seed of God's spirit and let that fill your life. Now with the garden, of course, you've got to do some watering, right? And we all know right now we're in a pretty serious drought. I mean, you look at the picture of this one reservoir in California. Look how it's changed over the last few years. I want to show you another picture. These are satellite shots. The one on the left is from January of 2014, a year ago. Look at the one on the right from January of 2015. It actually looks better, doesn't it? You see that that central valley is green. You see a lot of snow cover there off to the right side. What happened? The December rains. Remember? Remember how wet it was in December? We got a lot of water. Look how that changed the landscape. Now, I don't have a current photograph like this, but I'm sure if I did have one, it would look pretty much like the picture on the left, if not worse. What happened? How did it change so quickly? No rain, or very little. We know we need that water, and we know by not getting it, what's going to happen? Our, our lawns are going to turn brown, our gardens are going to die, our cars are going to be dirty, and we have to use less water. The same thing is going to happen to us spiritually if we use less spirit. If we block him, if we don't let him come in and take over our life. Right now, we're being urged to cut back on our water usage. Good news is we're not being encouraged to cut back on the Spirit. There's an abundance of the Spirit. So let Him in your life. Let Him fill you up. There is no shortage. God will pour Him out abundantly in our life. So here's what you need to do. When you start hearing things about cutting back on water, and you start doing those things, then remind yourself of the opposite message, but fill your life with the Spirit. And think of ways that as you cut back on water, you can fill your life with God. Get into the Word. Use the daily meditations. Read the Scriptures. Pray. Be frequent in worship. Come to Bible studies. Take the means of grace. And let that Spirit live in you. And you're going to find out this. When you let Him live in you, He is going to fill you. Fill you up. There will be no shortage the Apostle Paul put it this way when he wrote to the Ephesians. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which, lead, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another, one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. He's telling us we'll be alive, we'll be active, because the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill us with faith.
Now, faith is a gift from God. We know we're saved by God's grace, what he has done, but it's through faith, which he tells us is a gift that he has worked in us. Faith is simply receiving, accepting, grasping and holding on to, trusting what God has done for you and not what you can do. Now I know that we want to live good lives. And sometimes we think that our good lives are pleasing to God and maybe that helps edge us in to heaven. But no matter how good we are, it's not good enough. God didn't say to us, well, I know you're trying, so I'll let you in. I'll give you a passing grade. He didn't say, well, if you're good enough, that'll be good enough to get into heaven. No, he said, be perfect. We aren't, and we can't be. But Jesus has been perfect for us, who was sinless, who is holy, and by faith, by trusting in him, by holding him, God gives that righteousness of Jesus to us. The punishment that I deserve for my disobedience, that he put on Jesus, who took the curse of my sin away from me. It's by faith that I am right before God. It's by faith that God says, you are innocent. I need faith, and the Spirit will fill me with it. Along with that faith, he's going to give us the fruits of faith. You see, just as he has given me the righteousness of Jesus as mine, so that righteousness is going to show itself. The fruits of faith the Spirit will produce in my life. The Apostle Paul, a little later in our chapter, gave us a list of those fruits. He said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When God the Spirit fills you up, this is what your life will look like. This is the change that he will bring. This is the fruit that he will produce. So my question for you this morning is, what are you growing in your life? What does your garden look like? I'll show you my garden. Or at least one of our flower beds. See all those weeds on the right side? They are as tall as those bushes. Now it just amazes me. We're not doing any watering. There's been hardly any rain. But it sure doesn't stop those weeds from growing, huh? Now on the left side of that picture, my wife went in and pulled all the weeds out. That kind of looks like my life. Not that my wife is pulling things out of me, but, <laughs> but there's that part that's just filled with weeds. And even though, you know, you have to get in and pull those roots out, otherwise that weed will grow back. And in, somehow it seems even if you pull those roots out, another one pops up anyway. That's our life. That's how Paul described his life when he said, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 
For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. It just points out for us, I need Jesus. I need faith. I need his spirit to fill me up, to give me that forgiveness of my sin, to give me the righteousness of Christ, to give me the desire and the power to say no to sin and yes to God. So this week, as I'm thinking about the message and as I'm pulling weeds in the backyard, I'm thinking, I'm on my knees to pull these weeds. I also need to be on my spiritual needs, knees asking God to give me that spirit to pull out this sin, to water me with his grace, and to let his fruits flourish in my life. And God will answer that prayer. He will bless you with the spirit abundantly to fill you up. When the Spirit lives in you, when the Spirit fills you, that Spirit is also going to gift you. That is, He is going to give you certain talents and abilities and things that you can use in service to Him. Listen how the Apostle Paul described it in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. If God lives in you and God fills you, then God also will gift you. You need to look and recognize what your gift is is. Now when the scriptures speak about the gifts of the Spirit, it it puts them into like two groups. Gifts we could classify as speaking gifts, and gifts we could classify as serving gifts. So speaking gifts are like teaching and encouraging, praying and singing or preaching, just sharing the words of God. Serving gifts are when you use the different talents that you have and the time God has given you to to do physical kind of things. Maybe it's setting things up, maybe serving as an usher or serving in musical ways or helping repair things or or clean things or, or setting up things or whatever it might be. God has given to all of us gifts. And despite the variety of them, he reminds us they all are for the common good, for the sharing of his grace with others. They're not for my pleasure, although it's pleasurable to use them. They're not to be used whenever I choose, but as God calls me. If you're wondering what your gifts might be, just look at your life and see how God has blessed you with with different abilities and interests and, and passions. There are various uh, inventories or questionnaires we have that I could give you if you want to look at them and, and kind of evaluate your life. But you can probably just look at your life and see how God has gifted you. Now what you need to do is 
be ready to use that gift in service to him. Somebody once said, Great opportunities for serving God come seldom, but little ones surround us all the time. Just listen, just look, and when you see that opportunity to put your gift into use, step up and do it. You know, on that first Pentecost, the apostles, I don't think, were expecting the thing that happened. They weren't planning to be filled in such a way that they'd have that boldness and that ability to speak in human language that they would go out there and start preaching the gospel. But it happened. And as they recognized that gift and opportunity, they stepped up and did it. It also was just not the apostles, but all the disciples after them. God filled them with his spirit. So that even when they went off to work every day of the week, they knew that was their job, but their calling was to be a servant of Christ. There's a man in the Old Testament who's spoken about in just a couple of verses. It was at the time when Moses and the Israelites had just gotten out of Egypt, and now the Lord was organizing them as his people and had given them instructions about worshiping God and was giving them instructions about putting up their first worship structure, the tabernacle. Here's what God said about that one person, this little story that we have about him. God said, See, I have chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze. The Spirit was in him. The Spirit is in us, too. What is your gift? What is your calling? What does God want you to do? He has given us his Spirit. He has given us different gifts. Are you growing? Are you serving? God's Spirit desires to live in us, to fill us with His grace, and to gift us for service. If you ask me, if you have the Spirit of God, then you have it all. Amen.